0: Life is full of lost opportunities and painful regret. Have you tried something and failed? Do you need a second chance? In tennis, you get a second chance to serve the ball. In basketball, a free throw is a second chance to make a shot. In football, the offense gets a second, third, and fourth chance to make a first down. But in the game of life, you don't always get a second chance. However, the God of the Bible specializes in second chances. Onesimus, a runaway slave and a cracked pot, received freedom, forgiveness, and a second chance because, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: Freedom, forgiveness, and second chances on today's edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and thanks for stopping by. Do you need forgiveness today? Have you blown your first chance and now find yourself in need of a second? If so, you'll enjoy today's message from the book of Philemon, because it's all about the beauty of forgiveness and second chances. Stay with us now as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible, or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Dr. Ron Jones with his message, Philemon, freedom, forgiveness, and second chances.
0: Well, letter writing is indeed a lost art. How many of you still write letters? I mean, you pull out a piece of paper and a pen and you sit down at a table or a desk and you handwrite a letter. A few hands go up. But uh, today, more often than not, we send emails or uh, text messages. We tweet. Yeah, believe it or not, <laughs> we tweet now. We send messages. 140 characters or less, and this has replaced the discipline and the practice of sitting down with paper and pen and putting into words your thoughts to a family member or a friend or um, maybe a business relationship. And yet, some of the most timeless literature we possess today are simple but powerful letters, letters written by people like, uh, oh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Remember him? the Lutheran pastor who was executed by Adolf Hitler just before the end of World War II, we have his letters. Or Martin Luther King Jr., Bertrand Russell, the great philosopher. How about Nelson Mandela? All of them letter writers. And surprisingly, each of these men wrote from prison. We have their prison letters. Just like we have the Apostle Paul's letters from prison. Uh, Paul wrote from prison. Uh, The New Testament includes four prison epistles by the Apostle Paul, including a short and deeply, deeply personal letter he wrote to a friend named Philemon on behalf of a runaway slave named Onesimus. And here we are uh, concluding road trip number seven on the ultimate road trip through the Bible. We've been working our way through Paul's epistles, all 13 of them in the New Testament. And we've come to this uh, short letter called Philemon. By uh, other standards in the New Testament, it's like a postcard, all right? It's only 25 verses. But uh, it's all about freedom and forgiveness and second chances, gospel themes we're going to find in this letter. By the way, do you need a second chance? Or do you need to offer forgiveness and a second chance to somebody who wronged you? Are you held captive by a bitter and unforgiving spirit? Well, with his own hand, Paul writes a a letter, one chapter in length, just 25 verses, and he compels his friend Philemon to receive back a broken but redeemed mutual friend who is profitable to both of them. And he also teaches us a very important gospel lesson as he writes this letter. Uh, You know, the Apostle Paul was a letter writer. We know that because we have 13 of his uh, epistles in the New Testament. And there were probably other letters, certainly personal letters that Paul wrote. Why this one? Why is this one in the New Testament canon? Why did the Holy Spirit guide the church in the early stages to reach out and grab this one and include it in the canon of scripture. Well, uh, it's the only private letter Paul wrote that survived among his New Testament letters, but it has um, a deep gospel theme to it. We'll get to that a little bit later. But on the subject of letter writing, I think it's important as we conclude this road trip to understand that, that all of Paul's epistles are just that. They're letters and they form the foundational documents of Christianity. After the Gospels and the book of Acts, that transitional book, you know, that tells us about how the early church got started, we have Paul's 13 epistles. They're so foundational. Uh, They lay out uh, the doctrines of our faith. And it's important to understand that those doctrines did not come in the form of catechisms. They're not uh, a theological textbook. They're not a, a theses, they were delivered in letters making Christianity deeply personal and relational. And let's not miss that aspect. You cannot live the Christian life disconnected from personal relationships and authentic biblical community that you find in a local church. These letters were written to the church at Ephesus, to the church in, uh, in Philippi, uh, to the pastor of some of these churches like Timothy and Titus, and in this case, to a very personal relationship for Paul, a friend named Philemon, whom he says has a church in his house. Doesn't get any more personal than that and any more relational than that. So if you get nothing else from this uh, little postcard that we find nestled between 2 Timothy and the book of Hebrews, understand this, Christianity is deeply personal, it's deeply relational, and those personal relationships happen within the context of a local church. That's God's plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. J. Sidlow Baxter describes this brief epistle called Philemon as a graceful little masterpiece of fine courtesy, exquisite tact, and even playfulness of wit. I'll show you what he means by playfulness of wit in in a little bit. But in the meantime, let's get to know the main characters in Paul's letter. Who was Philemon? And who was Onesimus? Onesimus? Uh, Paul uh, adds a lot of names, as he always does in his letters, names of people who are part of his ministry team. He even draws Timothy into this letter and into the already formed friendship circle between Paul and Philemon and others. Uh, Paul writes in verses 1 and 2, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house... He continues by heaping praise on Philemon and talking about their deep, deep friendship that they have. He calls him my brother. Uh, His affection for his friend ran deep. And he he appeals to that, first of all, because what he is about to say might put their relationship at risk. Now, most likely, Aphia was Philemon's wife, and Archippus was their son. Uh, They hosted a small congregation in their home. And that made Philemon, though a layman, uh, uh, an early church uh, leader in his community. And uh, Paul had never visited Colossae. We learned that when we were studying the book of Colossians. Uh, But this this city of Colossae, which Philemon probably lived there, was not far from Ephesus, where Paul served the church at Ephesus for three years. We're trying to figure out, you know, how did they know each other? Uh, There was a lot of traffic that went back and forth between Ephesus and Colossae, and Colossae and Ephesus, and even Laodicea, and that's probably where Paul and um, Philemon met. Archippus, according to Colossians chapter 4, appears to have been uh, the pastor at Colossae, or maybe nearby Laodicea, and so you're beginning to get the picture of the the close relationships they all had. Paul's earlier earlier letter to the Colossians, of course, suggests that Philemon lived in Colossae, and he was probably part of the upper class socially and economically. As a wealthy freeman, he owned uh, domestic servants, household slaves, which were very common in the Roman Empire, including one named Onesimus. And according to Colossians chapter 4, Tychicus and Onesimus carried the epistle to the Colossians from Rome to Colossae. And many believe that at the same time they were carrying with them this very personal letter from the Apostle Paul to his friend Philemon on behalf of Onesimus, who's now traveling from Rome back to Colossae. Verse 18 indicates that Onesimus stole money from his master Philemon and fled to Rome. And by God's grace, and I'll even say by the providence of God. While in Rome, Onesimus met and befriended the Apostle Paul while he was imprisoned under house arrest. And as you can imagine, um, the Apostle Paul introduced Onesimus to Jesus Christ. And um, ironically, uh, Paul says that now, you know, Onesimus is profitable to me and to you Philemon. Uh, Onesimus's name literally means useful or profitable. And when J. Sidlow Baxter says that this little letter to Philemon uh, has a playfulness of wit, he was referring to how the Apostle Paul, you know, does a turn of phrase on, on Onesimus' name, which means useful or profitable. Paul says to him in verse 11, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, my child in the faith he is referring to, whose father I became in my imprisonment, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Is there anybody you have cast aside in your life as useless? We use a phrase today sometimes, you're dead to me because of what you've done to me. Paul is in the process of redeeming that relationship between Onesimus who wronged his master Philemon, who stole money from him. He says, formerly he was useless to you, but now he's indeed useful to you and to me. Now, Roman law gave Philemon the authority to invoke the death penalty on Onesimus, his runaway slave. However, on behalf of Onesimus, Paul appeals to Philemon based on their shared brotherhood in Christ. Still ahead, the
1: second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good radio message, Philemon, Freedom, Forgiveness, and Second Chances. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request, and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the Explore option at the top of the homepage and then scroll down to the How Can We Pray For You icon. And while you're there, make sure you visit the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Have you ever done something so bad to someone that you wondered if they could ever forgive you? You're not alone. In fact, sometimes you just might have someone willing to advocate on your behalf. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message. Philemon, freedom, forgiveness, and second chances.
0: And Paul argued that Onesimus' relationship with Philemon had changed. They were no longer merely master and slave. Now they were both part of the family of God. And for that reason, Onesimus was useful and profitable to Philemon. Paul admits he would have loved to have kept Philemon with him in Rome to be a part of the ministry team and an extension of his ministry, even from prison. However, Onesimus rightfully belonged to Philemon by Roman law. Legally, his fate and his future were in his master's hands. And Paul respected that in his letter. He says, that's why I'm sending him back to you. And to make this request and this appeal on behalf of Onesimus more appealing to Philemon, you know what Paul does? Well, he assumed all of Onesimus' financial obligations. He says in, um, um, in verse 18, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. We would say in our vernacular today, who does that? I mean, who, who, who sends his credit card off and says, no, just put it on my tab, what this guy has done to rip you off. I'll make good on his obligations. Well, the Apostle Paul does this. He says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart. See, Paul removes any excuse Philemon might have about receiving Onesimus back, even making good on all you know, all the, the financial obligations and uh, that he had there. And as quickly as he clears any damages owed by the runaway slave with an IOU to Philemon, Paul turns the IOU into a you owe me. You see how he does that. And he's drawing deeply upon the relationship he has with Philemon here. But here's where it gets risky. You know, I'm sending him back to you, this man who wronged you and hurt you. I'll take care of all of his obligations. And come on, Philemon, you owe me a little something here. I I don't know what Paul was referring to, but he's he's drawing upon the bank account of the relationship here. Now, Paul closes the letter with some greetings from five fellow workers in Christ. In verse 23, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke. Whom he calls my fellow workers. Uh, These verses provide an important reminder that Christianity is deeply personal and it's relational. We're getting used to the Apostle Paul dropping into even some of his most theological letters, names, and relationships. And it's a reminder again that we cannot live the Christian life successfully while disconnected from a biblical community of Christ followers whom we run passionately with as we follow hard after Christ. Uh, Paul mentions these names after already saying how the church met in Philemon's house. Friends, it doesn't get any more personal than that. It doesn't get any more relational than you gathering with a group of people in your home for worship and Bible study and fellowship and prayer. Wow, that sounds a lot like what we call a life group around here. Now you know why we're always encouraging you to take that next step and get connected in a life group. Tell us where you live, and we'll get you connected with people in this church who live in a neighborhood or a community near you. This is what Philemon is doing. He's invited other followers of Christ because he understands, I can't do this by myself. It was never intended to run with Jesus in in a solo race. Yes, you have a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ but not disconnected from the larger community of Christ followers that gather in a local church just like this. Now on the surface, uh, the principles and applications that arise from this brief letter and this uh, little short visit on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, the the, the principles and applications seem obvious. Uh, Obviously we're to, to model the relationships and and get deeply connected in a local assembly of Christ followers. There's a, there's a principle that we could run with there. Also the principles of forgiveness. Uh, maybe there's someone you should forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Uh, maybe there's someone like Onesimus in your life who has wronged you, and to whom uh, you should extend the grace of God. A second chance, we might say. Christianity is in the second chance business if you haven't figured that out already. Uh, Paul begins and ends his letter with grace. Did you know that? He is the apostle of grace. Sometimes he's gritty and he really gets after it. But in the end, uh, Paul's letters drip in grace. In verse three, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then like a bookend in verse 25, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. We talk about the five G's here at Atlantic Shores, gather, grow, give, go, and we say let's do it all within a grace-filled community. And these are powerful applications for us to uh, prayerfully consider, but there's more to uh, Philemon than what appears on the surface. Uh, But before we get to what is uh, maybe less obvious, I want to take a stab at maybe answering a question that often arises in the book of Philemon and in other places in Paul's New Testament letters and that is Paul's relationship between the institution of slavery in the Roman Empire and his Christian faith. What should we understand about Paul's view of slavery? For that matter, the Bible's view. If slavery is wrong, Why did Paul not use his apostolic authority to speak against the institution that held between five and 10 million people in shackles in the Roman Empire at that time? Why didn't Paul address that? Why didn't he write a letter that just, you know, aims right at the institution? Does his silence condone slavery? Some people, you know, attack the Apostle Paul like that. They say, I I just can't believe the Bible because, you know, it 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 doesn't attack the institution of slavery. Well, I want you to think about this, Paul, Paul uh, had he merely railed on, the, on slavery like a political activist might and called for the freedom of all shackled human beings and the destruction of that institution, his, his words might have been shredded by uh, the Roman Empire, which had a heavy, heavy hand, and we would have lost his words forever, even his words to Philemon. Instead, Paul um, offers what the political activists never can. He offered true freedom in Christ. He takes the conversation to a different level. You see, Christianity does more than free slaves. It teaches that slaves and masters are one in Christ. In other words, you know, the world may have uh, a hierarchy of relationships out there, but inside the body of Christ, Philemon, the wealthy Uh, Domestic servant owner and his domestic servant were one. They were the same. Uh, Like in the church today, uh, the CEO sits right next to the garbage truck driver and they're one in Christ. They might even serve together on some ministry team. And in that way, Paul's letter to Philemon weakened the institution of slavery and began the abolition of it without the use of uh, political pressure tactics and the kinds of things that would have probably gotten him silenced in that culture. Christianity breaks down the damaging hierarchy in social relationship. It nullifies world rank. For example, faith in Jesus Christ dignifies the slave emancipates women, and demands social justice for all human beings who are created equally in the image of God.
1: Thanks so much for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Philemon, Freedom, Forgiveness, and Second Chances. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, be sure to stop by somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Well, as you may know, Something Good Radio exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support from friends and listeners like you. People are coming to faith in Christ through this media ministry, and your donations are a big reason why. When you donate today, Ron will say thank you by giving you his new ebook that goes along with his series Route 66: The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The 7th of 8 ebooks in the series is based on the Pauline Epistles. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to PO Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757 757-
0: we are all Onesimuses, fugitives from the God who loves us. The Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 summarizes the human condition this way, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Onesimus fell short. Onesimus was a fugitive. He was on the run. Likewise, uh, like Onesimus, uh, we are uh, sinners who fall short of God's standard, right? And that's the bad news that we must embrace before the gospel's good news because good news for us. All of
1: us are sinners, slaves to sin, in fact, but because of Christ, we can be set free. Join us tomorrow for something good when Ron shares part two of his message, Philemon, freedom, forgiveness, and Second Chances. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.